Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So what is love? What is love? And if we're, if we're honest, sometimes we get confused ourselves because loving your dog should really be different to maybe loving your spouse or loving your brother. But sometimes it doesn't seem that way because we're using the same word, right? And so I want to explain a few things uh, around the word love. So when it comes to the word love, um, in the Greek, there's essentially, so the, the, the New Testament is essentially all Greek. And in the Greek language, there's approximately 20,000 words. In the English language, there's approximately 5,000 words. So you can understand that there's some words that we use and they're not as defined. And so they can then be used as a more blanket statement like love, when really there's, there's more words for, for love in the English language, but we just don't have the word to use. Are you with me? And so I want to talk about some of the words that we see within the Bible, or in the Greek language at least, that represent love to us. And this will hopefully help you understand. I actually talk about this at every wedding that I speak at because I think it's really important, and you'll understand why at the end. So the first love is eros love. Eros love. Eros love is another word for maybe infatuation or exotic or lustful love, and that really was designed to really be within the confines of a marriage. So it's, it's not wrong. Yes, we might see it presented in, in wrong context, and it's abused and put outside of that context of marriage, but it's supposed to be there, and it's, it's healthy within a marriage. Uh, we probably would have seen that in an unhealthy way with probably Samson in the Bible and Delilah. It, it was an infatuation, a connection, which led to trouble in the end. Uh, then we also have um, another type of love called storge love. And that's like a family type love, the way you love your family, you love your mom, you love your dad, whatever. Um, it's like a family, even within church, you might brothers and sisters, family type love. And then we have philia love, which is like an affection or intimacy type love between two people. You know, there's an affection there, there's an emotional connection there between two people. And then lastly, we have a love that some of us might have heard about uh, called agape love. And this is the, the love that we would hear people talk about being unconditional or Christian love, but I don't actually agree with that. Because it's nearly as if Christians have came in and tried to dominate the word. But when really the word is just a word that can be used in many different contexts, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. And actually, uh, Jesus actually spoke about it, how people had agape love for maybe money or for other things rather than God. So it's not really just Christian love, but it's mostly used in that context within the Scripture. So that's maybe why they've said that. So I want to go into this Scripture um, in John 21. And this is, I'll show you in the brackets where those different types of love are being used. And Jesus is talking to Peter. What's happened with Peter is some of you know the Peter. What did Peter do before Jesus died? He denied Jesus how many times? Three. And so he was telling Jesus, "Of course I'm. I'm I follow you. Of course I'll do anything for you. Of course I'll commit myself. Of course I love you." And then he goes and what? 
He doesn't, love doesn't do in his case. He, he denied him. There was no follow-up. It didn't really have much grit, the kind of love that he committed to. It didn't have the ability to face up to fear. It wasn't really that strong a love that he, that he was committing to initially because it didn't work in the face of opposition. And so this is what the Bible would say. This is um, Peter being reinstated back into ministry. Jesus is rose again. He's then met them in person. And this is what he says to Peter. In verse 15 of John 21, it's on the screen. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me, agape? So he's not just calling them to affection. So watch this. I'll explain this real quick. So out of the four loves, the first three are all, they all are derived a lot of the time from emotion. So like affection, if you have affection with some, you can't just have affection with yourself. It's affection with some, someone else, like a brotherly love or, or storge love. It's an affection with another person. Or, or the eros love is with another person. It's always to do with two people interacting with one another. So there's emotions involved. It's nearly like a give-to-get type love. And if both people give equally, then it's good. But if one gives more than another, then there can be a sense of rejection or, 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 or uh, a coldness from one and a hotness from, from the other person. So this is really important. But the agape love has nothing to do with emotion. It's different, very different, and this is the kind of love that really we're committing to when we make a vow to marry someone. It, it's not, yes, the emotions are important, yes, they're there, and yes, they're a part of it, but they're not the foundation. And that's what, where we sometimes get it wrong. And in today's world, did you know that love is up for grabs? The word love is up for grabs, and, and it's also closely attached to identity. Identity is up for grabs too. And I believe it's because a lot of us, we don't have a foundation or the world doesn't understand the foundation of what love was supposed to be. The Bible actually says that God is love. And so what we find in today's culture is, depending on how you feel, there's no real true definition of love. And so it's airy-furry. And then it's also attached to emotions, etc., or then attached to identity. Depending on how you feel, you can be what you feel. And so what happens is we're up and we're down. We're left and we're right. We're not, there's no stability with love. There's no true definition of what love is, and therefore it's unstable. It's chaotic. Would anyone agree? In the world we live in, things are not getting worse. I've spoken about this before. There's 112 official genders today. And that's associated with the mindset of love is love. But there's no definition. It's airy. It's not incorporated, it's not shaped, it's open, and it's actually destructive. And so, so when they had finished eating, Jesus said, Simon Peter, son of God, do you love agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know I love you, Philia. So he's talking to Jesus as, with affection one-to-one. -one. Of course I love you, this interaction. But Jesus keeps calling them. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Interestingly, so he said agape love, so, so that deep-rooted commitment, non-emotional, just commit to it, and then he goes and then says, I want you to do this. So it's not, it's not just, I don't want you just to hang out with me and eat and, and have fellowship. I want you to go do something. That's the kind of love I'm calling you to, commitment. 
And I'm not calling you to feed the sheep. It, it didn't say, feed my sheep when you feel nice. It didn't say, feed my sheep when you're on the top of the world and you're excited about it. It just said, feed my sheep. And that stands despite emotion, despite feelings, despite ideas. He says, feed my lambs. He says again, again, Jesus said, son of John, do you love me? Agape. Yet again, he's calling him deeper. Not just to emotion, but to decision, to commitment. Do you love me? Are you committed to me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And yet again, he's using this word of affection. He's saying, well, if you do, then I need you to commit. Um, take care of my sheep. Action. Love does. And the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? Are you committed to me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you agape me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileia you, love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And so that word phileia, love, is probably appropriate with the interaction between Jesus and Peter because it's affection, it's, it's connection, it's brotherly, it's family. And that's correct. But Jesus' his reaction wasn't, well, I love you too. Jesus was saying, if you love me, there's an action. If you love me, I want you to do this. And, and if you truly love me, you will do this. And so that kind of exposes that, that, that emotional, kind of more surface-type love. Jesus is actually calling him to put a strong foundation down in their relationship. He's, and that's why when people kind of date and there's an affection-type love, there's family-type love, and, and there's, there's compatibility and there's chemistry and all those things within a relationship, then the natural thing to do is, hey, let's put a ring on it. Anyone here need to do that? <laughs> I'm not a Haribo one. And what, what are you doing? Like Jesus is calling it, you're putting commitment around it. You're putting a promise around it. You're putting a vow around it. And what you're doing is you're stabilizing the ship. You're setting it up for success by saying, hey, we're going to commit to something which goes deeper than just emotion that we're feeling right now. We're going to commit to something that goes deeper than just the infatuation, which might actually go up and go down. We're stabilizing the ship. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to do with Peter. Hey, remember you said you loved me before, but you denied me? There's a, new, there's a different way. It's called agape love. And, and what that also does, and this is what maybe I've subconsciously believed, is that sometimes I've seen agape love within the Bible. I thought, well, that's not for me. That's God's love. You know, <clears throat> I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. You know, have you ever used that? I'm not Jesus. Sure, I, that's why I was nasty. I was nasty because I'm not Jesus. What do you expect? I'm a human. We love that one, don't we? But yeah, I'm, I'm only human. But actually, that's not, what God, that's not what Jesus is saying to Peter. He's saying, no. You can do it. You have the ability for agape love. You have the ability to, to have deep-rooted commitment. Can I get an amen? So let's pray. Today's message is called Whatever It Takes. God, I just pray and thank you that you call us to go deeper. 
And, and so, God, as we, we're called to go deeper, Father, help us to understand your, the greatness of your love. Help us to understand the commitment that we make when we follow you and the great reward and the great fruit we can produce when we do it your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus' language was one of cost, was one of sacrifice, and was one of commitment. That's what agape love is. Who wants to be connected to some friends who are willing to sacrifice for, the, for you, who are willing to stand by you at all costs, who are willing to commit to you? Is that not the best kind of friend? Who wants to be a part of a team that are willing to sacrifice and go on the lines even at war? I think that's why a lot of people were really impressed with, even the Ukrainians were impressed with the president. Because he didn't say, the, the Americans offered him a flight out, and he says, no. <laughs> I'm leading by example. I'm staying. I'm loyal. I'm sacrificial. I will give my life for this country. You know what happened? The Ukrainians are now stepping up. It's like if, if, if the top man, with all the privileges that he maybe has, is willing to stay and give his life for this cause, well, so am I. Maybe that's what Jesus is calling us to. Maybe that's the kind of love that God has called us to commit to. That maybe that's what agape is more, more about than just this feeling in worship or just this feel-good factor on the wedding day. Maybe that's what redefines what love truly is. Can I get an Amen. And so it says in John 3.16, for God so agaped the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This was the kind of love that turned the world upside down, that redefined history, that fulfilled prophetic words. This is the kind of love that works and never fails. This is the kind of love that always shows up despite the pain, despite the sorrow. What happened to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He sweat blood. Why? Because he had agape love. It wasn't about feeling. It wasn't about, you know what he done? He says, listen, I'm feeling awful right now. God, I'd love you to have another way. But I'm going to go pray and dig deeper to find hope, to find life, to find connection with my heavenly Father who's going to help me to fulfill the mission. He didn't just go, it didn't feel good, so it mustn't be right. I'm not happy, so I give up. He didn't say that. He says, no, I know the truth. I know the way. I now have to find the heart. And I now have to find the power to fulfill my purpose. I think too often we, we fall for the lie of this lustful love. We, we fall for the lie of this happy love. That's not the love that Jesus called us to. I'll not go to church today because it's raining. What? <laughs> what love are you? That's not agape. That's not commitment to the body of Christ. Oh, I'll not go to group. I'll not go to. I'm not praying today. I've got a problem. I'm going to go fix it myself. What? That's why I think things like war can sometimes change our perspective. Sometimes, like a funeral or someone dying, changes our perspective. It, it, it takes us out of that attitude of thinking we can do it ourselves. And we've got a choice to make. Do we try and do it ourselves or do we submit and surrender to God's way, to His power? 
This is what I, I, I believe this. Every trauma, every trouble that you will go through in this earth, you can come out better. I 100% believe that. But you can't do it alone. And you can't do it on your own power. And you can't do it on people's love. And you can't do it on your own way. It's only through God's love, which is solid as a rock. It's consistent. That's what makes the difference. All these other loves, if you find yourself on, on filia, filia love or eros love or, or storge love, all these loves which, which are two-way street, well, then if the person doesn't perform well that you're relying on, that's your foundation, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get wounded, you're going to get trauma. You're going to get bitter because what's the point? You're going to feel let down. You're going to be a victim. God's love's different. It's the kind of love that causes people to stand that were on the ground, that have fallen. It's the kind of love that brings fresh hope. It's the kind of love that brings life. It's the kind of love that gives us direction, that restores families. That's the kind of love that causes us to humble ourselves and to bow the knee. I remember hearing a, a guy, a very smart guy that I listen to on the internet sometimes, and he, he said this so true. He says he, he was in the process of becoming a, a, a Christian, but he was kind of very, very intellectual, and he was saying, one thing I agree with, with the Bible and the story of Jesus is that every man needs someone to bow to, to bow the knee, because what that does for the human psyche is it gives, brings and ushers in humility into the heart. Everybody needs a king to come under. It, the story fits perfectly for the human psyche. Matthew 5 and 46 says, If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. So what does he say? He's saying, the tax collector loves it. If you pay your taxes, I love you baby, thank you, I love you, but as soon as you cut off the quids, as soon as you stop that direct debit to my bank account, no longer, not talking to you, relationship's over, you didn't give me what I wanted, but when you give me the, give me 10, give me that 10 that you owe me, oh, I love you, you're so amazing, you're the best, tag you, I'll tag you. Let's take a picture of this, this interaction. So much love my, my wife has for me. She gave me what she owed me. You see how that's so fragile? And he's saying, like, look, what, you, th you think you're loving well because you're loving people that love you? Sinners do that. There's no power in that. There's no power to break any chains or, or break sin in our lives or dis destruction of sin to mend that. There's no power. It doesn't work. It only works while they behave well. It only works while, while they do what you want them to do. And that very quickly ends. See, agape gives even when it doesn't get. That's hard. <laughs> it's hard, especially if your expectation is to get. Like with me and I, we struggle over the controller as it is. Never mind anything else. No, you had your show for 30 minutes. I want mine for 32. No. 
but I'm, I'm going to hide the controller. True story. And you know the problem is with Anna? She's actually quite strong. I'm like, don't make me do this. We're going UFC here in the living room. Don't encourage her, please. I rebuke that behavior. <laughs> and so there's a never-ending story until I says, you know what, we've done this before. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. We need to stop this cycle because it's only going to get worse. Have you ever seen that in your life? Where you keep playing, if you like me, I like you, and then it just gets worse and you, get more, you feel more annoyed and more mad and more rejected and more... Like, why are you not doing that for me? I, I'm so used to having the controller by myself because I used to live by myself. And why are you not doing it the way I'm used to? That's what happens. But thank goodness that w- what we committed to was an agape love. We've got to, f- you know what that means? We've got to figure this out. There's a solution and we're going to find it. There's a problem and we're going to solve it. That's what agape type love does. It doesn't just run, I give up. You don't make me happy anymore. Bye-bye. It says, no, no, we've committed to something and we better figure it out. And I promise you the best way that we figure things out is by humbling our heart. And how do we do that? We go and bow our knee before the king. We bow our knee before God, who is above all things, and we ask him for help, and he gives it every time. That is love. Agape love has the capacity to love without return. That's hard. It's impossible, actually, as a human to do that. Because I I love this statement. If our greatest fear as human beings is to get rejected, can we agree with that? As hard as you might think you are, when you're not picked for the team, when someone doesn't say hello, I'm not coming back. We try to help you with a welcome team. But it's true. But we're trying to create an accepting environment. Why? Because if your, excuse me, if your greatest fear is to get rejected, your greatest need is to be accepted. And so it's interesting how Jesus walked the earth, somehow making people feel accepted, but also challenging them to live the way he had purposed them to. He challenged their identities. He challenged their sin. He challenged adultery. He challenged, but, but he accepted them in a way first. It was as if he disconnected their behavior from their identity. And that's why, as a church, we have to try and do both. We don't always get it right, but we want to try and create an accepting environment. Listen, we love you. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you, what you identify as. It doesn't matter. That's secondary. If we can get to your heart and show you that God loves you just as you are, Then you start to experience a love that is stable. At the end of the day, a lot of us, we're trying to find love. We're trying to find love in unstable situations. We're trying to find love in people who, don't, who need love themselves. We're trying to find love in areas that, that just let us down. Leaders included, people in church included, me included, I'll let you down. I promise you that, not, not intentionally. But it might come across wrong or it might say something the wrong way that doesn't fit with the way you're used to hearing things. And so life can be a mess. And that's why we point people to Jesus. Not to people, not to man. Amen. It says in John 15 and 9, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. You see what's happening here is that Jesus is loving people because he was loved. 
It, it's, it's, it, he's not there to get love. He's there to give love. And the way he can give love is because he got love. So it's like pass it on. What do we do generation to generation? We're trying to pass it on. It's not about, hey, I, I'm trying to get it back. No, I'm trying to pass it on. I'm going to be consistent. I'm committing to love you despite what you do back. That's powerful love. That's consistent love. That's trustworthy love. If you love me, keep my commands in John 14, it says. If you love me, Jesus is literally, he's using agape again. He says, if you love me, then you, you do it. Love is a verb. Love isn't, hey, I love you if. Nice to me, I love you if. You say the right things, I love you if. The love that we foundationally have been called to is to love because we've been loved. We pass it on. That means, that gives you serious capacity to love the unthinkable. That gives you serious capacity to love. It doesn't matter what's in front of us, we've been called to love it. It doesn't matter how ugly it is. It doesn't matter how rejected we are. We, if we truly understand that God has loved us and we keep going back to that love which is always there and consistent every day, every minute of every hour, then it means we have the ability to love. What was Jesus doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? When he was stressed about his situation, it was ugly, it was brutal. He went back to God's love. Prayed, God's love, fill me up. Encourage me, give me strength, give me hope, give me what I need say yes and, and we have to do the same because life's messy but God's power is infinite God's grace is enough in our weakness and that's why I was saying sometimes war exposes God's power and his grace why because it's weakness it's human weakness it's human mess it's human sin and God can move in special ways in those times the church has grown the most it's ever grown in times of persecution. Why? Because we have weakness. We realize we can't do it on our own strength. So we actually then pray. We actually pray properly with full surrender. Agape love isn't based. Now hear me out. The other loves are important. They're God-given. We want them. We want, in a marriage context, you want Eros love to be on fire, fire emojis everywhere. <laughs> you want Philia love to be super strong within friends and family and Storgia love to be super strong within friends and family and church. We want that to be on a high, but it's not the foundation. It's not why we show up. That's why the Bible says, let your yes be your... There's no room for emotion in that. It's just if you commit to something, you go. You don't have to promise. You don't have to use extra special words. Just, if you commit to it, stay. And listen, God's grace is enough to help us have grace to learn. Listen, some of you may be thinking, oh man, I didn't do that right a few times. Or my whole life. That's why we have God's grace. To then turn from our wrong beliefs, turn from our wrong mindsets. Maybe today is your day that you decide to believe what true love is. Matthew 6 and 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other, agape. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. 
you, can serve both, you cannot serve both God and money. So watch this. The agape love can be used to love money. So it's not just Christian love. It's kind of inaccurate. The same commitment and the same drive can be used to love money. Well, let, give me an example. Um, has anyone ever woke up at 7 a.m. and not wanted to go to work? Yeah? <laughs> Every day? But because you're committed to the money, you show up. Has anyone ever woke up and couldn't, it was raining outside or the, it's sunny? Can't be bothered going to church. You're not going to be honest about that one, are you? And you didn't go to church. Or you didn't go to group. Or you didn't pray. I don't feel like doing devotion today. Because that's what dictates what I do. And then you don't go. You, understand, you see what I'm saying? What do you love the most in that scenario? Be honest with yourself. What are you more committed to in that scenario? What, what are you teaching your kids to love the most in that scenario? It's real. And this is why we've got to call it out because the, the devil deceives us into thinking, ah, oh, it's all right, God's grace. We use Bible to work against God's plan. We use Bible to justify things which are not God's love. And to give us a Bible. I'm not saying if you're sick. I'm not saying if you literally can't make it. I'm saying generally speaking. Agape loved is based on a decision and not an emotion. And that's why you can understand at, at, at a wedding how I'm so... With, in today's world where, where maybe this hasn't been taught. or, or yeah, I was talking to... We actually had a few counselors come in trying to compete with Thomas. Uh, from the government there. Where's Thomas? <laughs> um, I'm only kidding. But they were, came in on Friday, and they came from a different uh, church background, and they, kinda, they were talking about how in their pre-marriage course, it, was not, it didn't happen. It's just, you just do it. And I could tell even from talking to them, I'm like, these people need help. <laughs> they were very open about, oh, man, marriage is just... And I barely know them. And they were saying, how was, I think that's what we need to do. It shouldn't be more, maybe they were used to more like a dictator type of church culture or something. Just do it. But don't understand anything about it. Just do it. And so therefore they neglect some of the other kinds of love, the understanding their, their affection, understanding what it is to be a brother. And the Bible says without knowledge, people also perish, not just vision. And so you can it's, it's crazy to me how, how maybe we haven't, we've misinformed or we just haven't spoke about this, this kind of thing. And so therefore, we actually set people up for failure. In Luke uh, 11 and 43, it says, What sorrow awaits you Pharisees, for you love agape, to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplace. So the question is, what are our seats and what are our synagogues? Where are we getting love where we're making that a foundational love where we get likes or we get respect and we've, we've made that our bottom line for life? Or where's the places that we get, we're so desperate to get into a position, but why? 
Have you ever asked yourself, why do I want that position so much? Or maybe there's areas that we just need to, to surrender that because you can agape, you can put that in place of God. You can start to worship, even in church, maybe there's some people in here and, and you, see, you look at the front, you're like, oh man, they give so much love at the front. I want a position at the front. And what can happen is instead of worshiping God and trusting God and letting God do what he needs to do, you start to lust after positions where you think you're going to be loved instead of allowing Jesus to love you the way you are and where you are. And that's where character comes into play. Do you have God's love when no one's looking? Do you believe that God loves you when you're in a room by yourself? Because if you don't, maybe, maybe your love is for the synagogues and the seats. And maybe it's time to surrender that. Why? So that you can have a more stable love. God's love. Not people's love. It's, I'm not saying it's wrong to have people's love. That's great. That's a part of interaction. That's a part of family. That's a part of relationship. But it can't be the bottom line. Or you're easily broken. Or that's why people get offended. That's why I get offended sometimes. Because, you know, it reminds me, oh, why am I so offended at that? And then I have to go back like Jesus in the garden to God's love. Oh, but God, you know the future. But God, the plans you have for me are in stone. And no weapon formed against me will prosper against the plan that you have as long as I walk in your ways. I'm just going to remind myself of some scriptures. So that I'm stable. That I'm, I don't just walk away because I don't get my own way. It doesn't work out exactly how I planned. And we bow the knee again before God. Amen? So the issue isn't the synagogue or the church. The issue isn't the seats. The issue is who is first and what is your priority and, and what are you committed to? first and foremost. And the beauty about it is sometimes when those emotions kick up of jealousy, of pride, of hurt, it actually is an arrow pointing to your foundation. And it gives you the chance to reinstall a new foundation in those moments of, of, of hurt. Don't waste your hurt. Don't waste your jealousy. Don't waste those things. They're actually arrows pointing to a renewed mind. If you let it, See, the level of your commitment often dictates the capacity of your love. The level of our commitment. I was, uh, went up <laughs> a few about six months ago, I went uh, up to my friend's house um, in Bush Mills. And, you know, my friends are just, they're fitness fanatics. I'm maybe not as fit as them at the minute. And they wanted to go, you know, what do you want to do on Sunday morning? Or, or sorry, Saturday morning, I think it was. Uh, let's go for a run. And I'm like, okay, just from uh, White Rocks just to Port Rush, yeah, is that it? I'm trying to understand because I know my capacity is not too good at the minute. And yeah, yeah, I'll do, I'll do. And they just kind of brushed it off. I'm like, okay, you've committed to that. You better have committed to that. And so we start running, and I'm blowing out my... <laughs> uh, along the beach, the calves are tightening up. I'm like, oh, man, I hope they don't tighten up. Um... And then we get to Port Rush, and I go, oh, let's keep going, let's keep going. I'm like, no, you said. And they kept going, and we done a few, we actually ended up doing, instead of doing three miles, we done six. And the girls got to just drive. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, the problem was I wasn't committed to the six, I was committed to the three. And I was also trying to slow them down. 
And so because of that, I was looking to opt out. Honestly, if they asked me to go again, I'd say, I, I'm not going. I'll drive. So anyhow, on the way back, the one thing I was excited about was getting into the sea because when you're roasting hot, I just love being in cold water. Um, oh, the plunge pool. We were, Anna got me the Galgorm for a Galgorm retreat for my birthday. And I was, the plunge pool, anyone like the plunge pool? Not the going in, but the coming out. Oh, delightful. Had to push Anna in and hold her down. <laughs> that was because she stole my controller, though. Um, and, and so we're on the way back, and the guys want to run, run back as they do, and I'm just, we're just surviving on the way back and near the car. And I says, all right, guys, let's get in the water. But none of them wanted to get in the water. And then I kind of convinced them to get in the water. And at the first wave, about three of them ran out. And so I just proceeded. Why? Because I was committed to get in. I knew what it would be like when I was fully submerged in the water. I knew the experience. I knew the impact it would have on me, my muscles, my body, and afterwards feeling so fresh. And because I had confidence and I trusted the water and its effect on me, I was all in. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to experiencing God's presence and, and a relationship with God's love. In the same way, Jesus, what did he do when he, when he faced his biggest giant? He went into a place of submersion into God's presence. He submerged himself in prayer, not just once, not just twice, but three times in the same way Jesus called Peter three times. Three is the, is the number for divinity. He pressed in hard enough until he could sense God's touch, until he could experience God's presence, until he experienced God's power. And see, sometimes that's the way we've got to look. When we start to, to get into God's presence, we remember it and we go back to it and we face our obstacles not with superficial love or emotional love, but we go to a, a love that is grounded, that is permanent and never lets us down. In Matthew 5 and 44, it says, I say unto you, love agape, your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which uh, despitefully use you and persecute you. Well, how do you do that? You do that because you're passing it on. You don't do that because of what they do to you. You don't do that because of, it's not about emotion, so don't even bring emotion into the story. It's about obedience. If, the Bible says, if you love God, you obey his commands. It's nothing to do with other people. It's to do with God. And so, so what do you do when you see an enemy? You go to God. And you first realize that no enemy can prosper against you. That's the first thing you realize. The Bible says that no enemy will prosper against his plans for you. And so they don't have to have it. You don't have to be afraid. It says he'll make a, a seat it gave you a seat at the table in the midst of your enemies. So they can't impact God's purpose for your life. They can't change the course. So there's no point getting mad. Actually, if we actually look at it the way um, Samuel looked at it, his enemy trained him for his purpose. God actually used, as he said, in God's love and God's purpose. God put these enemies in front of David. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting mixed up there. In front of David. He put enemies in front of David to prepare him for his kingship. 
He actually maybe even needed those as a resistance to get stronger. And so what if we had that mindset when it came to God's love, Christian love? It was a love which isn't impacted by what's in front of it, but is impacted by who's behind it. And so some of us in here today, we're not forgiving, and you're being disobedient. And because you're disobedient and not obeying what God's commands, you're trapped in a snare, which is sin. And you can be free. All you have to do is obey. All you have to do is obey God's word and forgive. Not because of what's in front of you, but because of who's behind you, God. And as you do that, the weights and the shekels will fall. Guaranteed. 100%. But you have to obey. For there is no other way. It's awful quiet in here. Some of you are jealous of people in positions in synagogues, in businesses, in, in the workplace. And it's not that you don't have, you're not abnormal to experience that, but God doesn't want you to keep that. And so God's way of blessing you in that situation and freeing you in that situation is, is to go to him, to pray, to read the Bible, to realign yourself and then bless, speak life over that person. Because they don't dictate your future. They don't dictate your next step. They, they cannot stop God's plan for your life. They're not an enemy in God's eyes. Maybe they're your preparation. Agape love does whatever it takes. Does whatever it takes to make it work. Goes through whatever pain goes through whatever turmoil. It's secure. It's safe. I don't know about you, but if you want to go to war with anyone, you want to go to war with someone who's got an agape love type of commitment because you know they have your back. No matter how many troops are in front of us, they will give their life to fulfill the mission. That's the love that Christ calls us to as we surrender ourselves so when we go to share Christ with someone, maybe that the Holy Spirit is prompting us, it's the kind of love that, right, God, you've, you've told me to share, I'm going to share. But I feel nervous, it doesn't matter, I'm going to share. It's, nothing, it's not in the equation of agape love. It's at, in the background. We bring agape to the front, to the forefront, and then we fulfill the job at hand. That's the kind of relationships God's called us to commit to. If there's conflict in friendship circles, well, who's going to produce agape love? Because whoever does that is the peacemaker. Whoever does that has got humility. Whoever does that is representing Jesus in the situation and leading the situation out of turmoil into peace, into provision, into prosperity. But it's God's way. It's not our way. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach 
others. You can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.